0: This podcast is brought to you by Blackbee Ministries International. To find out more, visit blackabee.org.
1: Welcome to the Richard Blackbee Leadership Podcast. My name is Sam and I'm your host. And this week on the podcast, Richard has a conversation with Will Graham. Will is the third generation of Grahams to proclaim the gospel under the banner of the Billy Graham Evangelical Association. He's the grandson of Billy Graham and the oldest son of Franklin Graham. Will has shared the hope of Jesus with more than one million people across six continents since the beginning of his evangelistic ministry in 2006. This is a great conversation and I hope you'll enjoy a conversation with Will Graham.
0: Well, you all know as you listen to this podcast that I love having guests come on the, the air with me. And, uh, and I've, I've had the opportunity, the privilege of meeting some wonderful, wonderful leaders and uh, men and women of God that you've been able to meet uh, over the last while as we've done this podcast. But uh, I've got a very special guest with me today, uh, someone I just really enjoy being around, I really admire, and I know you're going to enjoy getting to know him a little better as well. And that is Will Graham. Uh, welcome, Will. Welcome, Will
1: well thank you now you refer to me as special is it is that <laughs> well, yeah. is, is, there, is there is that like my iq or well, something well
0: i may just have to, to i'll let our listeners decide what that means. <laughs> uh i tell you will is a lot of fun uh, every time i met the billy graham cove or the, the training center there at the cove outside of Asheville, that's where he's based um, although he he's the executive of that but he travels and does all kinds of uh, conferences around the world that we'll we'll hear about but uh, uh, well, I'm just just gonna fire some questions at you. I know, I know people know the Graham family very well, uh, and you're let me let me just begin now. I know just because I know you that your name is actually William Franklin Graham, but you're not uh, you're not the first William Franklin Graham. There's a, tell us tell us the history of that name.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's I'm William Franklin Graham the fourth. Yeah, and so um, my father's William Franklin Graham the third. Uh, my grandfather's William Franklin Graham Jr. Um, now, that's where a lot of people get confused. Yeah. Um, yeah, They don't realize he's a junior, but that's what he is. So I'm really named after my great-grandfather, uh, William. Uh, he went by Frank, uh, okay. William Franklin Graham Sr., but he went by Frank Graham. He was a dairy farmer, Okay. and he would have four children, Billy Graham being the oldest. Now, growing up, people this is how i knew when people were lying to me okay (laughs) Uh, everybody wants to say they grew up with billy graham oh yeah and and i say that because uh people come up and say oh i went to school with your grandfather billy and i'm like one you're about 20 years too young (laughs) (laughs) but uh you know they try to make some type of connection but if you really knew my grandfather grew up with my grandfather you called him Billy Frank, Billy Frank. And of all the times, uh, especially at the Cove, uh, um, I only met one man that said, I grew up with your grandfather. Now in my head, I'm kind of rolling my eyes a little bit. Like, oh, are you <laughs> he said, I grew I uh I, went, uh, I grew up with your grandfather. He's a few years older than me, but I grew up with your grandfather, Billy Frank, and I was like, I, I stuck out my hand. I said, let's shake hands. Cause you're. <laughs> you. You actually called him by his real name. that like uh, the name that his friends would have called him. Um, and then I have a son, William Franklin Graham, the fifth, yeah. but like I said, we run out of nicknames. We had Frank, then we had Billy Frank. The world knows him as Billy. Then there's Franklin, my father will me obviously. And then my son, we run out of nicknames. <laughs> we've used up all the names. So <laughs> I came up with the idea of calling him Quinn. Yeah. Quinn means five. And yeah. so he's, he's uh, he'll turn 16 here uh, next or about two months. So mm-hmm. uh, he's good. I, got, I got three wonderful kids, but uh, he's my only boy and he's my youngest and um, he's a good boy.
0: Wow. Well, you don't, so five generations of William Franklin Grahams. And uh, I know, Will, you get the same thing I do, uh, especially when your grandfather was still living. Uh, nobody could Meet you or talk to you without saying how's your grandfather, and uh, yeah. they'll ask about your dad Franklin, and uh, you know I I know and I, I get that all the time I, I everywhere I go how's your dad doing Tell us about your parents and how they're doing and so on. I know some people that get don't like that. I mean they get intimidated by that. They they can rebel and say you know I'm a, I'm my own person. I don't want to be known by my grandparents or my parents. Uh, the, my my last name. You and I both have kind of dealt with that and uh you know i lead my my dad's ministry today you're really i i anticipate fully that's what you'll be doing uh, at the billy graham organization here in time um and so how have how you dealt with that i mean you, you know because some people would get really hurt that well they didn't even ask about me they just asked about my grandfather or, you know, what's it like going to school and being Billy Graham's grandson? Like, you know, I, I know you got in trouble, but uh, what did people think when Billy Graham's son wasn't, grandson wasn't perfect? How, how did you, how did you cope with that?
1: Well, it's, uh, for, for me personally, uh, being Billy Graham's grandson's a privilege. Hmm. I mean, it, it, I mean, I got so many people out there that love my grandfather mm-hmm. that has opened up so many doors for me it has given me so many opportunities all because of who my grandfather is not because anything that will Graham's done. All right. Mm. And so I've received a lot of great things because of Billy Graham. Now I tell people, my life's like a, a fishbowl, <laughs>
0: you
1: know, everybody watches and is looking even when you don't realize it. Yeah. And so, um, and, uh, but I, I, lived a pretty normal life. Most people, uh, uh, for example, when I was at seminary at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary, uh, I know your son went to school there. Yep. Um, I walked around and uh, my neighbor, uh, I would help him like move in and stuff like that. And about six months later, he came up and he said, I didn't know you were Billy Graham's grandson. <laughs> I was like, well, I'm no different. He said, I, He said, I've been looking for you all over campus i didn't realize it was my next door neighbor (laughs) and uh, because he thought i was being a suit and uh you know with a tie on and oh yeah yeah yeah, I like that because i I walked around with blue jeans and a flannel shirt half the time you know with a hat on (laughs) and so um you know so being Billy Graham's grandson was a great privilege. I had a lot of people asking about my granddaddy. I never took that as an insult. It never hurt my feelings. Yeah. And I was grateful that they asked about my grandfather that, that they meant they loved him. It had a, he's had an impact in their life and I love to hear their stories. I never get tired of hearing their stories on how, what my granddaddy, you know, ministered to them. Was it, whether it was through books or, you know, magazines, movies, or a crusade yeah you must radio. write across a
0: lot of people that tell you they became a christian at a crusade that he, he spoke oh yes
1: about, so. oh yes and um and so i've and then growing up billy graham's grandson that's um i mean did i get in trouble yes i will say this i was a pretty good kid my parents did not deserve me all right <laughs> Especially my, dad. my dad did not deserve a good kid like plus <laughs> and i got i got two brothers and a sibling and we were all good Compared to my dad. Uh, <laughs> yeah. the way my dad was you know yeah. came up. Uh, he was he was wild and eccentric. he and he loved his mom and dad. Um, but for me, uh, I never really had a time of rebellion in my life. Hmm. Am I a sinner? Oh, yeah, hmm. sin all the time. Hmm. Um, but well, it never, but being Billy Graham's grandson, people say, what does it feel like to be Billy Graham's grandson? you get that question too, yeah. you know, uh, maybe not Billy Graham's grandson, <laughs> but, you know, you know, you're, being a Blackaby, how's that feel growing up as a Blackabee um, with Henry Blackaby being your father? And for me, I tell people it, I'm born Billy Graham's grandson. I will die as Billy Graham's son. The only thing I'll ever know in life, I'll be Billy Graham's grandson. Mm-hmm. And so th- that's a good thing for me. That's not a bad thing. Yeah. And I mean, it may be different for those who maybe have a bad parent, you know, or an infamous, uh, relative or something like that. And that they, where they're not proud of it, you mm-hmm. know, or they don't, or they're embarrassed by their parents or a gr- relative or whatever it is. Now for me, I, it, it was the opposite. I was mm-hmm. proud of my granddaddy. I loved what my granddaddy did and, and people loved him and all that love fell on me. And, and what I mean is not, not that I'm saying I'm, I deserve it. I'm just saying they love me because of who my grandfather is. They all actually want to talk to me. They want to know me. Yeah, uh, They care about me. They they're gracious toward me. And well, you, so it's been a huge benefit.
0: You know, I, I I'm like you. I, I I it's opened lots of doors for me to be Henry Black to be son. And, uh, and and my dad would say this. And I think it's true for certainly for you as well. You know, being having a famous, respected, beloved father or grandfather opens doors. But yeah. uh, but you have to you have to go through those doors and how, how you behave, uh, determines whether you get to stay in that door. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You know, I mean, there's, you get opportunities, uh, but, but then you've got to do something with the opportunity. And, um, and I know you have, and, and I, I, you know, people say, well, how do you live with those expectations? And I, you know, as I have thought about it, I've thought, you know, having high expectations is not a bad thing. You know, I, I don't mind having to strive to a high standard. That's, uh, that's a good thing. I, I, I'd rather strive to live up to a high standard than a, than a low standard. So, exactly. well, tell me, I, and you, I know you've got just tons of stories, but just for, for interest sake, give us a story or so about your grandfather. Uh, people love to hear those and, you know, being yeah. a grand grandson that just lived down the road from him, you, you were around him a lot and something that stands out to you that
1: maybe people don't know, but gives a real insight into who he is. Well, my grandfather and my father, Franklin Graham, same thing. The family could always interrupt Hmm. meetings, interviews, whatever. Uh, We could, we always had access. Hmm. Now, sometimes we had to be smart. (laughs) Maybe this is not a good time to go in, you know, well, well, I'll just wait a few minutes and go and see my granddaddy. You know, like if he's in the middle of a TV interview, you don't want to go in and interrupt (laughs) him and pretend you're the... The middle of the world you know yeah. but um uh, um for my grandfather I, one of those times was uh and I was very blessed I lived physically close to my grandfather I lived about an hour and a half away so of all his grandchildren uh my family my brothers and I uh, and my parents we were the closest physically the closest just geographically closest hmm. plus my other grandparents my maternal grandparents lived just a mile away oh really And so, uh, so they had homes on the same mountainside. So I could just, Hmm. when I got in trouble with one grandparent, I went up to the other house, (laughs) Time I got unwelcomed up there. I could, you know, I was welcomed back at the old one, you know, so I just kind of swam back and forth between two sets of grandparents. But, uh, I remember this one time I was out in California it was in California. I had gone out there with my dad. Um, I was pretty young. I want to say about 12 years old. Maybe I, I can't remember the exact date, about 12 years old. And, uh, my dad and I, we, we, we land at the airport, we get a car and we're going to the hotel. And I remember as we dropped this big old hotel, there was a line of dressed up people all around the block. And I know exactly what they're doing. They're there to see my grandfather, hmm. just like I was. Hmm. And so uh, I knew what was going on. Uh, this big, I'm talking about two, 300 yards long. Really? Well, and he's shaking hands and getting pictures with everybody. Wow. And my granddaddy took time with anybody that he, that would come up. He never tried to brush them off mm-hmm. now. He couldn't just stay there and chat with him forever. Yeah. So he had to keep moving sometimes, but he always was gracious. My dad's the same way. I'm hope I I am too, yeah, you are. but I remember walking up and they had a, a cameraman and they would have a, like a police officer just kind of holding the line back. Mm-hmm. And when my granddaddy, you know, he'll take a picture with the couple and then they would move off and then the cop would let the next couple come up, mm. you know, about 10 feet away, mm-hmm. you know? And so I, I wanted to break line <laughs> and so I was kind of waiting, just watching. I'm, I mean, I'm smart enough. I'm not gonna go up there and interrupt why the picture's taking place. I'll just wait when one goes off and the other one's coming on, I'll go hug them real quick. <laughs> and so I started to make my move and a cop stopped me. He said, son, He said, the back of the line, he said, the line's way back there. And he was being very nice and doing very, and doing exactly what he's supposed to do. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't know I was a grandson. Hmm. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm looking at that line. I was like, I don't want to go get in the back of that line to see my (laughs) grown granddad. (laughs) That's I'm thinking this, you know? (laughs) And so as soon as I, that my heart sank like, oh boy, I'm gonna have to go get in line to see my own granddaddy. My granddaddy called out my name, got down on one knee with his arms open wide and said, well, hmm. and immediately the cop realized this is some, somebody special. Um, you know, he didn't know I was his grandson, but I got to run and hug my granddaddy. I got to cut in line, hug my granddaddy <laughs> in front of everybody. Wow. And, but he always took time That's one of my great memories of my granddaddy. He always took the time. Um, a lot of my time, especially I got to, I lived in Montreat for about a year. Um this would be 2006. My grandmother was still alive uh, for another year. And so because I lived right down the road from them, I would go up there. I was renting a house from them. And so I would go up there and visit them, you know, uh, almost every day, just to go check on them, say hi, uh, at least maybe twice, three times a week, maybe not every day. but hmm. and I would go up there and sometimes we just we just sat there and we didn't talk. Hmm. we just enjoyed each other's company. We enjoyed, you know, watching TV together, watching the news. He liked watching the news. He loved Larry King. He loved <laughs> he was watching on Larry, Larry King Kings. a lot of times. <laughs> yeah, he was Larry King loved him. And my granddad, that was his favorite TV show was Larry King. Cause that's how he learned about other people. Uh-huh. So anytime he would meet this person in life, he already knew something about him from Larry King's interviews. Huh. And so he's very astute that way. And um, we just enjoy each other's company. I mean, uh-huh we didn't have to talk. And I think so many times people want to talk, talk, talk to him. And he sometimes he just likes just sitting there being quiet. He'll answer, ask a question once in a while. I'll answer it. And then, you know, we just, sit there and enjoy each other's company. We didn't have to talk. We just enjoyed each other's company.
0: Well, tell us a quick story about your grandma, Ruth too. Cause she was a character oh. in her own right.
1: She deserves a little oh. bit of, of airtime here. <laughs> oh, oh, good. Great. We get, we, she deserves more airtime. She was the fun one in the family. All right. Mm. She's the one that had spunk huh. my granddaddy, not that he was always serious. But he was always seen to be serious. Mm-hmm. My grandmother was the opposite. She was always trying to be mischievous. <laughs> so something I went up to their house the other day. We uh, he, he. My grandfather gave all his gave gave all his property. His he had a couple homes. He gave those away to the ministry. He said God gave me these things. I gave them back. So I went up to one of the, his house that he would live in most of his life, and that he, this is the house that he would die in. And, uh, so I was up there looking at it the other day and, um, I was reminded I had forgotten all about this thing, but my grandmother, um, uh, she was redoing some, they just put some new, I say hardwood floors. It was pine, just some yellow pine flooring down and, and, uh, they were refinishing it and they had to keep the windows open to kind of let it air out, you know, because of all the fumes and mm-hmm. it was right beside her bedroom. And so, uh, my grandmother called the 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 kind of like the maintenance guy uh, that kind of worked for him and said, David, he said, I need to see you right now. Like in a s- stern voice. So <laughs> Dave was like, man, I must've done something bad. Maybe the flooring got messed up. And she said, you know, you left that window open and there's bugs all over that floor now. And so he goes, I'm sorry, Ms. Graham, I'll go fix them right now. So he, he goes out there and he's looking at the floor and he, he can't find any bugs. <laughs> He goes, Miss Graham. I don't see any bugs. I, he she goes. There's bugs all over that thing. Go look again. So he's looking and looking and looking. Then all of a sudden, it dawned on him. All those pine knots. Oh, she drew leg. She drew legs on them and little antennas on them. So all these little pine <laughs> knots. She had. She got on her hands and knees and drew little <laughs> legs on these knots to make it look like roaches <laughs> going all over. the So that's that's the fun thing. I mean, here's another one. <laughs> so she you was. Know, they. I don't know who this person was. It was like a diplomat, some diplomat, and they were visiting my grandfather up in their home, which was a pretty rare treat. They didn't entertain a ton of people in their home. Um, they like to keep that for themselves. But, but this man, they invited to come up, and uh, they, she was cooking him lunch, and he was about half blind. All right, he had thick, not trying to make fun of, coke bottle glasses, but these you know big old thick lenses mm-hmm. and. And he was a, he was kind of a fun guy to be around. They said uh, he had a good personality. And so my grandmother uh, uh, gave everyone vegetable soup, except for him. He got tadpole soup <laughs> and he just got a bowl of tadpoles and pond water. <laughs> so and it had like meatballs, in it, like, like a, like a vegetable meat soup. And so he goes, every time he goes down to get a, get a little meatball, uh, he said it he can't. He couldn't get it. Like it, it was moving. He, he couldn't get this meatball. Kept moving around. And he keeps adjusting his glasses up and down. Like, he, like, what's wrong? I can't. I can't zoom in on this meatball. You know, this, you know, vegetable. You know, I mean, not, not this vegetable, but this little meat cluster. You know, and trying to get to it. And he said, Miss bram every time I try to go for that meat, that piece of meat, it it swims off. I can't move. I can't get it. You know. Uh, put tadpoles great. in his suit so uh, that's the type <laughs> lady she was she was always a she was a prank she's a lot of fun wow. and uh i miss both my grandparents but i tell you one thing she she's the 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 spiritual powerhouse behind my grandfather i mean it was her that had a greater influence on my grandfather than any other human there is yeah. it was uh ruth graham uh really a soulmate for my grandparents a real love story and Boy,
0: when he would when he'd be gone for months in australia or some england or someplace doing cru- crusades she was manning the fort raising the kids and a strong woman of faith and uh yeah i i've seen that with my parents as well just you know you i, I know full well without my mother my dad wouldn't be half the man of god that that's that right he became but well, tell us a little bit about what you do because I, I want people to know. You know, your your grandfather did crusades, and uh, your your father he does festivals, doesn't he? Is that what it is? That's
1: right. That's right. The and then,
0: then tell us what what you what you do.
1: Well, I got my job description right here because they weren't asking what I do. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, there's a couple things I do for for my father, uh, Franklin Graham, and that is. Uh, I do celebrations. Um, That's what I call my evangelistic crusades. Everybody knows Billy Graham crusades. Mm -hmm. It's the exact same thing, but mine are called celebrations. My dad's are called festivals. My granddad's are called uh, crusades, sometimes a mission or something like that. But it's more of an internal term Mm -hmm. so that when we're talking among ourselves, like, Hey, I want to go to the festival. I'm automatically talking about my Franklin Graham's events Yeah. or if I, I, Hey, I need to, I need to get a plane ticket to go to the crusade. I'm talking about Billy Graham's crusade. Mm -hmm. You know, so if I talk about celebrations, it's dealing with Will Graham. So that's, that's the only big deal in the name. It's just, it's more of an internal name for us to keep, keep each other straight. But I do those. These are evangelistic outreaches in communities. So I've done two this year already. These were from 2020. Pushed into 2021. That was a uh, um, Fairmont, West Virginia, which was just a couple months ago. Hmm. And then er- earlier this spring, I was down in Tifton, Georgia, Southern Georgia. Yeah. I have two left in the United States this year, uh that which were planned for this year. One's gonna be Rapid City, uh, South Dakota, and then the other one will be in Des Moines. Hmm. And then I'll have two. Lord willing, because your country loves to play hardball up there, Canada. So Canada's officially open right now for I don't know how long. Hmm. I don't know if we're going to be able to pull Canada off right now. We're planning on it, but things have been a lot been a lot tougher for the church in Canada yeah. than here in the United States, yeah. and so uh, what, the what church the, doesn't have the freedom.
0: I mean, my, you know, my son just started meeting. He's a church planter in Victoria, and they just yeah. allowed him to meet in person about a month ago. So. It's,
1: uh, so it's been real tough. Yeah. And so I do crusades I also run the cove here in Asheville, North mm-hmm. Carolina. I really have another guy, Eric wiltch You've met Eric. Yeah. Eric's the one that really runs the place. I'm just, I'm his boss, but he's the one that really knows everything. I don't, <laughs> he's very, very good. I couldn't yeah. do half the things I could do without him. Yeah. And then, um, I'll also do some children and youth and online training in evangelism, things I do for mm. BGA. So, mm. um, dad wants me to spend more time down in Charlotte. That's where our headquarters is just to get to know that better and to be ready to take it over when he wants me to, mm. um, you know, and I'm not sure where you're going with your next question, but my dad, he he's my dad just turned 69 this year. Oh, okay. And for the first time he's had one bad year of health Oh, really, really for three quarters of a year or maybe about a year now. Um, it's all been related to his heart. And mm. so he's really had to start to look at what he can't, can do and can't do anymore. Mm. And so, uh, my brothers and I were trying to pick up that slack. My brother, Edward, he wants to take over Samaritan's purse. My dad wants him to take over Samaritan's purse. And dad wants me to come and work at BGA. And my brother, Roy is going to be with me at BGA. Mm. And so my sister, she just, I guess, help all her brothers. So uh, we need someone <laughs> to keep, brother, keep and behaving, I, behaving. So we'll to
0: I don't know if everybody knows that your dad is a pilot that he, he likes to fly. He, he flies pretty big planes and he flies himself. If he's going to go to Alaska or even to Europe or other places, I mean, he loves to be behind the wheel, doesn't he? When he's
1: dad got his pilot's license when he was at Letourneau, which was a, oh, yeah. a school in, in East Texas, mm-hmm. Uh wonderful school. Uh, my dad, dad didn't make it there, but <laughs> he did get his possible license here. <laughs> yeah. Was not a very good student, and, and he actually needed to get kicked out, and he got kicked out. So that was the other problem, uh, and rightly so. Uh, it wasn't only Turner's fault; it was my dad's fault. But um, he, but he, my dad was struggling. He wasn't a Christian at the time, but later on in life, he would get serious about his piloting, and it started. He got his pilot's license. It had been a long time since he flew, and then about in the mid '80s, he uh, someone donated a plane to Samaritan first, Spurs, a one eighty Cessna one eighty, a tail dragger. He started flying that. You could do some regional stuff with it. Hmm. Um, and then over the years, his, his plane just got up. You know, other people would donate planes or something like that. And they just able to upgrade over the years. And now he flies himself anywhere in the world. Um, Samaritan's Purse has a number of different airplanes that they use. As a matter of fact, we got one that's a DC-8. That's the oh, one okay. that's taken a DC-8. Like, this is a commercial airliner, basically. Yeah, yeah. And that's what we take our medical hospital and relief supplies. So right now we're in Haiti. And we can load up everything on this big DC-8 and, and take it down to Haiti and drop it off for supplies for wow. the hospital down there. So wow. it's a great, great way to minister to people and help out a lot of people.
0: Wow. Uh, well, Will, tell me, you you've uh, you know you're watching what's going on, and the Billy Graham folks and Samaritan's Purse folks have got so many uh, great contacts Christian leaders that you know all around the world. And so you've got some insight into just what's happening. I know with all the COVID, as well as just all the political and racial, uh, so much going on in America and around the world right now. Uh, you, but you've got a you've got a unique perspective on that. You're hearing stuff that doesn't necessarily get reported on the news. And so as you're looking at this world, I mean, how does Will Graham look at what's happening in the world right now? Should everybody be hunkered down somewhere in a bunker, or what? What would you tell Christians? uh, to be doing right now with what you're seeing?
1: Well, it's interesting a year ago when COVID over a year ago, 15 months ago, when COVID hit, there was a great revival taking place across the world. Hmm. People were thinking about life and death all all of a sudden, Hmm. and we saw churches saw this, their online attendance was going through the roof far greater than their normal attendance. Hmm. Um, our events we did online attendance was going through the roof. There was a great spiritual hunger. Hmm. Well, there's one person that hates spiritual revival and that's yeah. Satan. Yeah. Satan hates that. Yeah. And, uh, I'm not saying Satan's behind it, but Satan at least exploited it. And that was the death of George Floyd. Hmm. And when George Floyd happened, which was a little bit over a year ago, our country was no more a revival taking place. It was a spiritual division. Mm. Uh, and that's what Satan does. He wants to divide. He wants to bring destruction. And that's what we saw across our country. And so the last, um, and I feel like we've been in that state for a little while now, this, mm. this post George Floyd world and things are real, um, it's been real tough and along with COVID yeah. it's been real tough. And so ministry, uh, I'm not sure if we'll ever have a new, what we call normal, I don't think exists anymore. Yeah. There'll be a new world that's come. a a new way of doing normalcy Mm. I don't know what that looks like but I do think we're looking closer to the end times and I say Mm. that we need to be really paying attention to this because especially what we see in Canada what we've seen in parts of the United States is that governments are going to restrict Christians I mean we saw this in California uh, especially with John MacArthur and his church you know they were trying to shut it down and throw them in jail and they they john MacArthur kept winning (laughs) i mean like (laughs) um and i think and i'm grateful for that that he was able to win but i think there's gonna be a time come that uh, some there's gonna be a great big world outbreak i believe a virus someone's gonna need to come and rescue this world that's gonna be the antichrist Mm -hmm. that's gonna come and try to make sense of this and bring cohesion to everything and during that time they're gonna say no more church you're when you speak, when you sing, it's spreading germs. You can't meet with anybody, so you can't have church anymore. And mm. you know they're going to, even in Canada, I think the guy had an online service and went to jail for having an online service. <laughs> so mm. uh, at least that what I've heard. Um, but as, as I really see, this is what we're going. What we're seeing now is a foretaste of what the Antichrist will be doing. Yeah, um, I really believe that this is this. I don't think we're in the end times right now but i think we are we're starting to look over the edge and starting yeah. to see it yeah we're starting to see how the pieces are going to come together and fit and uh so i think as christians we need to be very vigilant um we need to be doing evangelism as hard as we can mm-hmm. because i think the the last the 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 time of the gentiles will come to a close here pretty soon mm-hmm. i believe and uh mm-hmm. you know there i don't for me as a christian i don't believe that there's anything left to be fulfilled for the rapture to take place. So that can take place at any moment, Mm. at least in my theology, it can. Mm. And so, uh, you know, I believe that we should, as Christians need to be doing everything we can to lead people to Christ and, to a strong relationship with him. And, um, and a lot of times I see a lot of Christians sitting on the sidelines for all different reasons, you know, um, health reasons, uh, my friends, uh, and I understand health. I mean, we can do what we can, but time is limited. Yeah. And um yeah. I want to be found even if, even if I get covid and die I want to be found preaching God's word. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Let me go out with my yeah. boots on <laughs> serving Jesus. That's how I want to be known. And, well, where so-
0: where uh I mean where do you see the Billy Graham organization going? You're kind of uh the heir apparent in that and uh you've been involved in that but uh what what might people expect uh, you know, they're, they're, in years past, we, we'd turn on, even now, you turn on the TV and you'd see your, your grandfather preaching a crusade from the old clips, uh, filling, uh, you know, uh, whole coliseums and stadiums. And uh, wh- what can we expect to see the Billy Graham organization doing in the years to come?
1: It's interesting. You're talking about filling up the stadiums and everything. That may be a thing of the past now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. These 60,000 stadiums may only allow 1000 people in them for now. So you <laughs> may have the records for, for eternity. <laughs> now you uh, may have all the records. Um, we're going to still do proclamation of angel. That's how people come to know Christ. Hmm. It's through proclamation. And uh, people say, no, it's lifestyle. No, there, no one lived a life good enough to save anybody except one person. His name is Jesus and we're not it. Hmm. And faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So we have to tell people about Jesus Christ. Obviously, our the way that we live our life plays a very important part, but we're going to be always about proclamation evangelism. Hmm. Now, it may not be in stadiums all the time. We're doing more and more on the internet, you know, doing live things. Those have worked extremely well for us and they've they cost less, and we can reach more people with them. Mm. But I still th- think there's still always a responsibility to do it in person as well. Mm. Not everybody's going to be in front of their TV or, you know, in front of their monitors or on TV or anything like that. They're going to need to hear it in person. So mm. we're going to train more people in God's Word, uh, in evangelism, how to share their faith. And so we want to do more of that and do more proclamation evangelism as long as God will give us the opportunity.
0: Mm-hmm. And you're, and I, you know, I've heard you preach, I preach with you in places, and uh, you, I I would say you kind of lean toward your grandfather. You, I know certainly in personality, uh, I think you're, you're, you have a temperament, much like your grandfather, I would but say.
1: One thing that my grandfather and I both have in common, we were both pastors at one time. Yeah. And so yeah. we have a little bit of a pastor's heart, and we appreciate the local church, and we appreciate the role of the pastor and so that's something that i can identify with my granddad now i tell people i ask pastors i was like how many of you been pastor longer than 14 months you know th- about, you know almost every one of them raised their hands i said well congratulations you did something that billy graham could never do <laughs> you never lasted more than 14 months this <laughs> church wanted him out after 14 months but, uh, but he he appreciates the local church. He always wants to work through the local church, and my dad always wants to work through the local church as well. So, and you um, actually
0: even portrayed your grandfather in a movie. Oh, I I'd,
1: get that in there that you're
0: a movie star.
1: Yeah, 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 uh, yeah, Very, yes, I'm very prolific movie star. Watch out, Tom Selleck. Yeah. Um, and uh, he's you know I'm going to replace Tom Selleck and all yeah. these other guys. Well, that know. was
0: the scuttlebutt that I heard.
1: Yeah, it is. Tom, Tom Selleck's looking for a job because Will Brent took it, so right. or Tom Cruise for that matter too. So uh, no, I just it was a great movie. It was it was called Unbroken: Path to Redemption. It was the second half part of the story of. Um, Louis Zamperini who came to know Christ there was a great movie about Louis Zamperini a great book and so I got to do that movie it was a great privilege Yeah
0: and you portrayed your grandfather preaching where he uh he gets saved and uh you and your grandfather had a great influence there so
1: well, yeah, it, was, it was neat about it I got to preach the exact same sermons he preached that same year Wow so I was using the same sermon material that he did when I my, all my lines were Billy Graham's lines in real life wow. so wow. it was easy Wow. and uh, and you and you and so
0: you and you could do it you could you could preach like him you can put it on when you need to well lord willing I
1: it's, it's <laughs> the holy spirit i can tell you that
0: <laughs> well will uh, just as we we wrap up i knew the time would just fly by because uh, i you when we are together we I, I love when you can drop by at the cove and we can uh, just chew the fat until yeah. they start dragging us out and telling us the show has got to go on.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's right. We got to go preach.
0: <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, uh, it's, it, it always encourages me, uh, to be around you and just know what you're seeing and, uh, where God's working. And, uh, I know that even through all the COVID you and all the stuff you've done online, uh, the Billy Graham organization is seeing uh, all kinds of people coming to Christ. And, uh, you know, I know I've, I've been really encouraged by just even the rebroadcasting of the Billy Graham crusades and uh, mm-hmm. the fact you've said more people have been saved by the rebroadcast than in the actual crusades themselves.
1: That's right. And that's what that's god has been so good to us. I mean, we've seen God's has been good. I mean, we've been able to use my granddad's old sermons and repurpose them and People are still coming to Christ because it's all his. When you when you listen to his messages, even when I'm listening to one from 1950, you thought it was written for today. Hmm. I mean, it really is. It's it's amazing about how the Word of God transcends time. Yeah, and it's relevant for every generation. That's what that's why I love preaching
0: the Bible. What would you say just about his preaching for a moment? You know, I've I've had people say, "Well, he's not." There there were much more eloquent preachers. Uh, I mean, Billy was obviously was a good preacher, but uh, what was the secret? Because there were lots of he had lots of peers and people that were eloquent as well that never had the impact he had. Why? Why is it that you feel like? uh, Because when you listen to a sermon, you break it down. uh, You know, nothing fancy, um, but boy, they, they sure bore a lot of fruit.
1: It was simple, and it was and it was spirit filled. I mean, and that God just used it because it was a simple gospel. This is one of the things that my granddad, it was one of the greatest decisions he ever made in life. And I look at four great decisions that he made.
0: Hmm.
1: And, um, but one was inviting Jesus Christ into his heart. Um, one was his schooling. Hmm. Um, um, the the third was his calling when he finally surrendered and said, Lord, I give up, I'll I'll be a preacher because he didn't want to be a preacher. Hmm. Um, and finally he gave up into that. That's when he was down in Florida. Um, that's where he went to school. And then he would later go to Wheaton and that's where he'd meet my grandmother hmm. and, uh, asking my grandmother to marry him was another great important decision. But one of those other great important decisions of his life was b- believing that God's word is God's word and there's power in it. Hmm. And so he had a friend that was trying to, his best friend in life, Chuck Templeton, a Canadian was hmm. trying to, Saying Billy, you can't trust God's word. It's he, he Chuck had gone to seminary. My granddaddy hadn't. And Chuck was like his older brother. My granddaddy never had an older brother. So my granddaddy always looked to him as a as a leader, as a good friend. And um and and Chuck was very sincere and very and loved my granddaddy. My granddaddy loved him. So this is not something evil doing. This is their mm-hmm, true friends. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And one friend was saying, Billy, you gotta you can't trust God's word. And there was a lady named Henrietta Mears that was saying, Billy, you can trust God's word
0: because
1: hmm. my granddad was at this conference and, uh, with Chuck Templeton and, and he couldn't sleep at night. He was wrestling. And then, uh, one night he went out and took his Bible, placed it up on a stump, leaned back and said, Lord, with tears coming down his face, he said, I can't answer my friend's questions about the Bible. Talking about Chuck, mm-hmm. his friend was, had these questions about the Bible. And he said, because I don't know how to answer them, Lord. He said, but I accept this as your word. And for now on, I'm going to preach it as your word. Mm. In other words, he kind of like, I hope your listeners don't get upset by how I say this, but (laughs) it's like, it's like he took all his chips and pushed them on to God and said, God, I'll throw everything I have on you. Yeah. Yeah. I don't I don't like using this term, but I'm betting on you, Lord. You know what I'm saying? I'm trusting in you. I'm going to put everything I have on you. And not myself, not my own intellect, not my education. I don't understand this. That's going to be subservient. I'm trusting my faith is going to be bigger than my knowledge. Mm. And um, one month later, it started the Los Angeles crusade. Mm. And that's what would change my grain. And I think what happened was my God said, you trusted me. Even when you couldn't understand, you trusted me. You couldn't answer the questions. You still trusted me now watch what i'm going to do yeah. and so that's what i think um i think that's why his preaching was so different is because god god it was supernatural use of god through god you know what i'm saying is god's behind all this there's nothing yeah. special about yeah. billy graham it was god using Billy Graham. Yeah, and you know, and so uh,
0: you know, maybe the last thing just to say about that is say not nothing special. And I and I, you and I both have had this where people, if we've got relatives that are highly esteemed as men of God or women of God, people tend to you know, you become sort of Christian royalty or something, and people put you on a pedestal. And you and I both know. I mean, we we wow. do admire our fathers, grandfathers, but. But we also are know very much about their feet of clay as well, and uh, nobody's just a super spiritual person. They're they're ordinary people like your grandfather that just had to work it out. And um, you know, you and I know even about ourselves how ordinary we are. I mean, it's a daily we, we nothing comes easy just because you're a Graham or a Blackaby. You still have to work out your own walk with God.
1: <laughs> yeah, and and. Yeah. and uh... I'm just grateful that I have a good heritage that I had mom and dad and grandparents that taught me God, taught me about God, taught me God's word, the importance of God's word and prayed for me. And a lot of people don't have that in life. And I was very, very blessed. You and I both had that yeah. and we're grateful for both. So how are you, how are you parenting your kids so that
0: they, cause they're now like the fifth generation here. So how's Quinn going to uh, navigate being a grand with even more people, generations ahead of him than you had? well
1: that unfortunately i think it's going to get harder and harder as the generations get along just because of the the spirit of the antichrist getting stronger and stronger in this world yeah uh, doesn't mean that god's spirit's not strong uh but we do know how god is going to close this world and uh so we we got the game book in front of us hmm and I don't know where we are in that game book. I still, like I said, I think we're still right before the uh, tribulation. Obviously we're before the tribulation because mm-hmm. it hadn't happened, but mm-hmm. I think we're look- about to see, coming over to the peak of the mountain to see the, yeah. the, next the, the winds the are picking up. I. Think. <laughs> it is. Yeah. And so I think it's gonna be real tough for my kids and their generation. It's mm-hmm. not going to be easy to be a Christian, mm-hmm. um, but God, never, God promised us it wasn't going to be easy us as christians and so we should we, we should expect this we shouldn't be surprised hmm. but um i just keep praying for my son he's gonna have to figure out his own thing in life whether he'll be a preacher or not i do not know i just want him to be what god wants him to be the last thing i want him to be is a preacher because he feels like he's pressured into it yeah he'd be the worst preacher ever <laughs> if that's the case yeah i want him to be like reluctant to go into it like you know, and God still keeps calling him. you know, and he, he finally breaks down and says, okay, I'll do it. Like my granddaddy. <laughs> I think God will um, honor him with that. If he just does it, because this is easy, this is what's expected. He won't be uh, used of God, but mm-hmm. if he does it, because God wants him to, he will be, I, he loves computers. You know, that generation loves computers yeah. they are excellent at it. Yeah. Probably like your, your son-in-law there, Sam, cause he's the one that's doing all the controls. <laughs> you know, but, um, uh, my son's like that. And maybe God can use his gifts to reach a whole new generation yeah. online yeah. Uh, through computers, telling people about Christ. So that's what I hope. Huh.
0: Well, well, thanks for just taking the time to do this. I know you're busy and uh, you've got a lot on your plate, but I uh, certainly encourage our listeners. Uh, be be tracking uh, Will Graham. He's uh, God is using him mightily. If he, if he has a celebration anywhere near you, make sure to go and and uh, get on the, the steering committee or help out in some way. Uh, be a local support mm-hmm. because uh, God uses him. There's always a great response. You could trust his message and uh, and be praying for the Graham family and for Will in particular and Edward as uh, he's working yeah. there at Samaritan's Purse. Um, great, great men of God, and I'm real excited about the future uh, for you for, for all of you and your family. Just to get to know you and knowing your heart for the Lord so thanks for being with us and uh, we'll leave some uh, links just to some of the stuff we mentioned uh, in the show notes if you'd like just to know how to even just go to the cove sometime where where will is based I get to speak there periodically and uh, they're just if you just want a spiritual high you just need to get your cup refilled just get to the cove outside of Asheville, North Carolina. And uh there's they just have always have good speakers there and whoever it is, uh, they'll bless you and you'll come away inspired. So thanks, Will.
1: And I look forward to seeing you in person
0: before too much longer.
1: (laughs) I see you guys, I sure do appreciate you, buddy. Love you, buddy, and love your family and uh look forward to seeing you here at the code real soon. Thanks,
0: Will.